Inheriting a property can be a roller coaster of emotions. There's the grief of losing a loved one. There's the joy of potentially reducing your debt. There are family members who believe that they are entitled to more. There are also family members who come out of hiding. And there are wills that can change how family members see each other. And on top of it all, there is the strong possibility that the government will want a slice of the pie too. Today, we are going to find out how you can implement some great tax strategies when inheriting a family home. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your host is Sue Langda. Copyright is proud to be a part of Melbourne's buoyant real estate industry and is expanding into all corners of the Melbourne market, helping agents with their properties for sale, properties for rent, newsletter articles, regular blogs, marketing letters, company listing kits, staff profiles, editing translations and anything else that makes their business look professional in the written word. Call us on 03 5977 to find out how you can get Real Copyright to help you with your business. Jeff Gartley from Gartley Advisory in Ormond has over 35 years experience helping small businesses, large businesses, families, and those starting out with their accounting and tax strategy needs. Welcome, Jeff. How are you today? Very well, thank you. And on this cold winter's day. I know, it's not very nice. We are talking about the best tax strategies when inheriting a family home. Have you been able to help many families make the most out of their tax situation, or do you find that most families come to you leaving it a little bit too late? Um, it depends. Often it's not the family's problem, it's actually the uh, the parents and they obviously don't discuss what's in their will. So yes. uh, for many many of us at our age, we I see a lot of clients come in saying, mum and dad have left this property, um, what do we do next? Yeah. So yes, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's to answer your question... Um, if you can have that discussion before mum and dad die, it does help. Yeah, I know I've had a couple of conversations, but, you know, it's sometimes hard to get a lot out of it. That's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> yep. It's a hard one because you don't want to feel like you're out there to yeah. take whatever you can get. Oh. Some people do that. But on the same token, um, it's a discussion that's got to be had because yes. some people do leave a big mess. They do. And a big tax bill as well. And also so, some people, unfortunately, are left into left with huge amounts of debt they had no idea about. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of surprises when people die. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look at, you know, we famous people and their problems. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then people come out of the woodwork because they think there's lots of money. Yeah. And they're not. Yeah. But there's not. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes there is. Sometimes. Sometimes it's a bit of an unexpected surprise, isn't there? <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I no, actually did you, a. You don't know. Yeah, I actually did a house recently where the uh, gentleman had been there since he was three years old, and the house was built in nineteen thirty something. He was ninety something, 
right. And no, no kids to leave it to, um, no ex-spouse, nothing. He was a academic who just piled himself around books and that was it. And the place was just full of books, full of paperwork. Wow. And, um, yeah, there was cousins cleaning everything up. He hadn't died quite yet, but obviously the cousins were hoping to get part of the slice, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah, look, sometimes people get some unexpected windfalls that they're just not aware of. And Yeah. Uh, we had one client that had an Uncle Harry who actually wasn't his uncle, but he inherited all Harry's assets. Oh, really? Yeah, so he was very happy. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure. I remember listening to a lady who her landlord had a whole block of apartments in the Gold Coast somewhere and and it was her job to collect all the rents every month from all the the tenants and then then drive uh, not drive but fly down to Sydney and, and deliver the the rents yep. to him. And she did this for 20 years. She had no other job to do, but that was her job. And then at the end of it all, he died and left the whole apartment block to her. Oh, wow. Nice. Oh, nice. Find those? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> anyway, we, can, now, we anyway, can keep wishing and hoping, but reality will strike. Now, okay, what happens when you die and the taxes that you leave behind? Okay, so... Uh, when you die, there's two aspects. First of all, there's your life, which is you have to finish that off, uh, yeah. do the final tax return, and then there's the assets. Now, the assets can be distributed either by the, the executor, which is often the solicitor, yes, or it can be transferred to you. Okay. Now, if it's sold by the estate, then they will pick up the tax liability if there is one. Okay. Um, if it's sold, if it's transferred to you, and you don't use it as your primary home or it hasn't been, it was mum and dad's home and then you continued, you went and lived in it, then there'd be no tax implications. Okay. But if you took it on and decided to sell it, then that could be some tax implications in there. Okay. So, so essentially you're talking about you as in the person who's going to inherit the property? Yeah, the beneficiaries. Beneficiaries. Is what yeah. Yep. So... so. So if, if mum and dad die, better for the estate to handle it before it gets transferred to you? Uh, depends on the situation. Okay. So it's a really quite a complex situation. So yeah. each scenario will depend on what the circumstances are. So there's a couple of basic scenarios that happen is that mum and dad just die and the house gets transferred to the kids or one kid. Yeah. Then that's been their principal. So come back to principal residence. So yes. everybody in Australia is entitled to a principal residence. Okay. So if you think if that house has always been their house, yeah. then that gets transferred to you and you move into it as your principal residence. Well, there's no tax issue there. Okay. But the issue becomes when it hasn't been the principal residence or whether you sell it after a certain period, then tax could be liable. So, for instance, if you had your own principal place residence and then you moved into mum and dad's house, you quickly yep. sell yours, no capital gains on that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you you've got a period of you've got a, a very very tight period of time when you could basically sell one and move into the other and not and nominate. So you could only ever have one principal residence. Yeah. So you'd you'd have to change over to the, the new one. Often that's what happens. Yeah. Some people have lived in a smaller house and then mum and dad give them the house when they die and they move in and the next generation get it. Yeah. Um, but ultimately someone will bear some tax liability if it's not used as principal residence. Yeah, fair enough. 
So what is capital gains tax and how does it relate to deceased estates? Okay, so capital gain tax is only on assets that make you make money, basically. Okay. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So if you if it's a principal residence in simple terms, and this is very simple, yeah. and everyone's circumstances are different, there won't be any tax. Yeah. But if it's a holiday house or it's been a rental property, then someone's going to bear the tax. Now, if I say to you as the executor, I'm going to give you this property, yeah. but it's been rented out for the last three or four years, then you're going to take over that tax liability. Okay. Whereas if I say to you, I'm just going to give you the cash, but I'm going to sell that property, the estate will end up sorting out the tax liability. Okay. Um, and then we'll give you the net proceeds. Yeah. So whether whether you take the property or whether the estate takes the property is a discussion with your accountant as to which is the best way. Okay. So, yeah. So um, say the house, just round figures, the house, the investment property is worth a million dollars. Your mum and dad yeah, paid yeah. 500000 for it. The 500000 is subject to capital gains, assuming they've done Possibly. Assuming yeah, yeah. they haven't done any changes to the house. Yeah. And assuming that it's a post-capital gains asset. So if that mum and dad had had it since the 70s, there wouldn't be any capital gains. Oh. But the implication is that when you take it over at a million dollars, you start paying capital gains tax from that figure onwards. So from the million dollars. So, yeah, so basically it's a death duty freshened up. Okay. So but there's not a lot of pre-CGT assets left around but there is the older generation still had them so and that's why sometimes it's better to sell the property mm. and not have that yeah that problem. fair enough so and and of course just on that if you've got a sister and she inherits the house and you inherit the rental property mm. then you're inheriting a capital gains liability and she's not ah so yeah so the lawyers and the accountants work out a fair and equitable swap. Okay. And sometimes that's where that comes into a bit of a, a spreadsheet type arrangement as to who, who gets, gets what. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. So basically, try not try to take mum and dad's home, not the investment properties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Work out work out which is best, and yeah. and if you don't like your brother, to try and get the best deal. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> which is what seems to happen. Yeah, so. I was like, you can have the investment property. I'll even give you two. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you saw the one the other day where the two brothers bulldozed the house so that the sister didn't get anything. Oh, no, I didn't that. was news. Yeah. They got fined. Oh, I'm sure. The sister, yeah, she ended up selling the property for 7000 instead of 100000 out in the middle of nowhere. It was mum and dad's property. So Wow. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some pretty strange stories over the years. Oh, you would do, yeah. yeah. I think we all have. Yeah. Now, what is the cost base versus the market value? Obviously, very accounting okay. terms. So we've sort of started to cover that off. So the cost base is what you pay for it, yeah. plus your renovations and all the rest of it. And that carries forward if you take over the property. Okay. So, however, if mum and dad have had that property for a long time, it's a pre-CG asset, CT asset, which means that it was before September 1985, yeah. years ago, then when you get it, you, you take up a new value, which is called the market value. Okay. So it, it just depends on the nature of the property. 
the the fact is residential property has probably the curves like gone quite steep in the last you know 30 plus years hasn't it 40 yeah and we talked about negative gearing you know a while back yeah and that sort of dropped off dramatically because interest rates are lower but the capital gain still continues to grow so people in some ways have done quite well Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Which is why property is so popular. Yes, definitely. Now, so the cost base is obviously the original cost and then the market value is what you'd sell for it now. We sort of talked about how is capital gains tax applied. It's basically on that window of the difference between how much money you've spent on the property and how much you make. The gain, yeah. And and you get a discount um, if you've held it for 12 months and there's a whole lot of other complications on the tax the Tax Act is bigger than three yellow pages. Well, really? the yellow pages are much these days, but <laughs> there's a lot of complications involved. And normally we will sit down with clients and work through that to make sure that they understand their obligations. But moving forward, if you inherit something and you've got a cost base, eventually when you sell it, you're going to have a capital gain. Yeah. But then if you happen to keep it and you die, then that cost base goes on to the next person and they inherit the capital gain. So someone will pay it down the track. Yeah. So So if you clear that, give it to your kids. Yeah. So, it's you know, it's just (laughs) like at the end of the day, you know, um, that's why people, some people don't care when they die. It's someone else's problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's a lot of homes that we, we do write and that's, you know, and it has been passed on down the family you know, three yep. or four times. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and then they do come to sell it and it's like, oh, but mm. obviously when it's in the same family for 50, 60, 70 years, it, it wouldn't yeah, apply at this stage. And people don't realise that good records actually help and sometimes accountants and lawyers in the olden days made some really stupid errors by putting company, you know, houses into companies and stuff like that. Yeah. And... You know, mum and dad have always lived there. It's been in a trust or something, and then all of a sudden they die, and people go, "Oh, I have to pay capital gains tax on mum and dad's house." Yeah. Yes, because the accountant at the time put it into a trust years and years ago, and sometimes it can be quite a lot of money. So it's good to have that conversation now, as you said, to find out exactly what the house has been put into. Like it might have been fifty, sixty years ago where it was put into that, you know, yeah. name of company. The company may no longer be trading, but it's still the house is under the company name. Would that be fair? Or, and the other example is where dad's had a property as an investment property, and then it's gone to mum when dad's died. Yeah. And then mum's now died. And so there's some implications along the way for everybody. Yeah. And sometimes that's not easy to figure out because. Mum didn't know what dad was up to because in the old days, dad used to do everything. Yeah. And our mum inherited it and mum didn't think anything about it. And then the son's got it and he's now trying to figure out what's the tax liability because yeah. mum, no one kept records. So basically, um, I'd be going to the state uh, titles office and finding out exactly what the property's yep. names are but, well before yeah, and, mum dies or dad dies. Except and, where mum where dad decided to knock over the property and rebuild but didn't keep any receipts um, <laughs> and mum's can't remember because she's lost the plot yeah. and then now she died. It, yeah, it can be really messy and that's where 
yeah, good families have, will have that conversation and a bit of state planning. Yeah. Um, and do a will, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's always a complication. Yeah. Now, what's the uh, two-year rule? So with the two-year rule, you have – so property – mum and dad own the property as their principal residence. Yeah. Then um, you've got two years after their death or the final one's death to work out if you're going to sell it or keep it. Okay. And if you sell it within that two years, there's no capital gains tax. But okay. if you keep it beyond that, there's going to be a capital gains tax implication. So you'll see people – will sit on the property for the next six months making a decision as to what they're doing and waiting for the market to either keep growing up, increasing or yeah. the right time, or they have to clean it up. So it's not like the tax office says, you know, mum and dad died, you make a decision today, Yeah. otherwise you're going to be up for capital gain tax. And a lot of times, and I know a lot of people, they've got to get, the, you know, five skips in to clean out mum and oh, dad's junk definitely. before they sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like... I know. It's a worry for a lot of people. I know, for instance, my mum, my dad died, what, four years ago, and there's a lot of things yep. to do with his business, let alone yep. him personally, that are still in the house. And yeah. you're slowly getting through it, oh. slowly. Well, <laughs> I had a client who had money in the wall. Oh, and really? And the kids had to go through and look in all the odd spots to try and find all the money. And they found probably 40, 50 grand in cash. Oh, Nice. Were they so bills that, that could still be legally tended or not? Yeah, yeah, it was all fresh dollar notes and ten dollar <laughs> notes, and but there could be more. But they've sort of basically hacked into where they could before without ruining the house. Yeah, uh, not weatherboard. Yeah, so, yeah, nice, nice windfall. Oh yeah, and that's you so, know obviously tax free because yes. nobody knows about. Yeah, it. well, no, <laughs> it was probably money under the bed. You know, like those old people. There's probably lots of money floating around. Yeah, go to the mattresses. That's what they say, don't they? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well. At what point should a power of attorney step in if, for instance, mum and dad are in a retirement home and their principal place of residence is left vacant? Okay. So that's really a legal question. Okay. But on a practical point of view, um, I guess, you know, when mum and dad are getting to that stage where they can't make those financial decisions, I think, yeah, seeing a lawyer and getting some good um, power of attorneys put in place, medical and financial, yeah, certainly helps sort out bits and pieces because they can still have that as their principal home for a period of time. You've got up to six years if you don't have another principal home. Okay. So they might be in a retirement home for four or five years and, and they die and it's vacant. Well, then we can still claim that as a, a principal home. Okay. So, but, yeah, getting good... You're, yeah, getting your will and all that stuff done is important. I'm sure you've done yours. I've done mine. Good girl. <laughs> I've been advised properly by Gartley and Associates <laughs> or Gartley Advisory. The other thing is mum and dad could be in and out of that retirement home slash nursing home, whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes they're in and out. They're not necessarily yeah. stuck there sometimes. So, it, look, the thing is I think good – Families, if they talk to each other, they get a good result, but it's that's always that's not always going to happen. No, so I oh, look, you know, um, money it breeds evil, it really does. When it comes, yeah, yeah, and often, um, the, the, the dad might have remarried too, and there's oh, implications, and, you know, and he does want to talk about things, and yeah, you know, 
there's a whole lot of it's a really good interesting topic if you're a lawyer oh yeah imagine yeah well what's the difference between joint tenancies and owners which are tenants in common because that can make things a bit difficult too can't it yes so a joint tenancy versus um what's the other one again tenants in common yeah basically a joint tenancy is where it's in um joint names so yeah. one will go the other. We're tenants in common. It's less uh, defined, basically. So um, tenants in common is two people have a share in the property, not necessarily yeah. an equal share. Where yeah. joint names, it must be one goes to the other because it's jointly if, yeah, so if one if, if in joint tenancy, if one dies, the money the house goes to the other person. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Whereas tenants in common, it means that. As you said, it may not be equal amounts. Correct. But the, yeah. but the other, if somebody dies, then their amount goes to their estate. Correct. So it, yeah, exactly. it could mean yeah. that your partner's died, but their kids are now part owners with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then there's a whole lot of legal complications where there's lifetime tenancies and where mum can still stay in the property, but eventually the kids will inherit it. And there's kind of yeah. implications on that. Um, yeah, so it can get really complex and quite messy. Yeah, um, and that's that's the issue, isn't it? Like because all of a sudden the parent, the kids are owning the other half or the other yeah. percentage, and they'll go, "But hey, wait a minute, you've got to pay us rent to live here." Well, not necessarily rent. In most cases, they live rent free, but the mum can't just go off and sell the property because yeah, yeah. the kids have got an interest in it. Yeah, um, yeah, if people. It's called, um, what is it called? Uh, trying to, you know, from the grave, basically. You know, yeah. Direct, direct your yeah. estate from the grave. Now we're going to have a short break and come back with more from Jeff Gartley from Gartley Advisory to talk about some different scenarios and what Jeff would do if he inherited a property. You're listening to Real Estate Right, and we are talking to the founder of Gartley Advisory, Jeff Gartley, about the best tax strategies when inheriting a family property. So, Jeff, we are now going to go through a few different scenarios. I know we've talked a little bit about different yep. versions, but now there's always complications when there's either one party or many parties who are entitled to the home. So, first scenario, what are the tax implications when one party buys the other party out after inheriting a home? Okay, so once once you've actually said after inheriting the home, um, yeah. obviously, for depending on if it's a home. So, if it's a home and you're just going to say buy your brother out, then there's probably yeah. no complications for the brother. You will inherit that home with a new cost base because you paid out half of it. So, yeah. for instance, five hundred thousand would be half fifty percent of your cost base for the moving forward. So, if you were to rent it out, you'd have an additional cost base that you've got to take into consideration. So, if we're talking home for the brother, there's probably not going to be any major implications because he's basically just been paid out of the family home. Okay. So, so essentially, if the yeah. house is worth yeah. hundred thousand, you pay the brother out five hundred thousand. Then your cost base would be yep. a million dollars. If that was the only asset, then yes, that would be. Uh, it basically, it's like a transfer, so there could be implications for stamp duty and all the rest of it. But it just depends on how 
the will structured and how the solicitor can work through the complications. So if there's cash and shares and everything else, there might be a deal yeah. that can be done so that the house is inherited by you and the brother inherits. It's everything else. Yeah. So, Ish. yeah. But good planning <laughs> comes into it. Yes, I'm sure. Yep. Um, now, second scenario, what are the tax implications if the property gets sold to an external party and divided evenly between those who inherit the property? Yep. Okay. So if it's mum and dad's home and it's just sold off, which is a common occurrence, then yep. the money's just divided equally as cash distribution. And we often yeah. get asked, is there any tax implications with the money? No, because yeah. the estate has dealt with the matter. Like you're just getting the money into your bank account. So you do whatever you like to do with it. If oh, nice. um, if it's a pro- rental property that they're selling off by the estate, mm-hmm. then there could be tax implications that the estate will have a capital gains tax yeah. and it will deal with the capital gains tax and then pay you the balance. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so I'm, th- I'm thinking, I c- <laughs> so there's four siblings. Yep. Mum and dad have four properties, so principal place residence and three investment properties. Why don't we all just go live in one each for six, 12 months? Yep. And then would there be any capital gains then? Well, the rental properties, yes, there will be because they've always, okay. you only have one principal residence, so you've always got the one. So take, yeah. in your case, I'd tell you take the home. And the other yeah. can take the other one. They'll have the tax implications. Okay. So, so that's so, where yeah. be the clever sibling. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. So that's where <laughs> normally someone like me will sit down and work out what the tax could be, and potentially say if they're all a million dollar properties, well, these three properties are going to have a two hundred thousand dollar tax bill on each. So you're really only getting eight hundred, whereas yeah. the the home that's worth a million dollars is no tax there. So you're getting a benefit. So. That's yeah. where it all gets a bit more equitable by doing a bit of a cash swap or, or whatever yeah. has to take place. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. Will the costs associated with selling the property reduce the capital gains tax? Yeah, so you're talking about real estate agent fees, yeah. improvements to so clean up the property. Yep, all yeah. that sort of stuff can be taken into consideration. So, so, so definitely keep all your receipts, you know, yep. have somebody be in charge of all of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and improvements that have been done along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and often there'll be depreciation. If it's a rental property, it could be some depreciation adjustments that the accountant or yourself will have to do. Um, so, for instance, if I was to paint the house myself, yep. could I yep. claim my labour on that? No, we wouldn't bother. So, um, yeah. First of all, you'd have to have an ABN. And secondly, yeah, yeah just yeah, too complicated. So, too complicated? Yeah, okay. n- normally you wouldn't be painting your house yourself because you're too busy. So it would be, you get a painter in, yeah. And they would probably, and they need to do it in a hurry because you're trying to sell the property. So, yeah. Yeah, it's very. My weekends aren't. Yeah. <laughs> My weekends working for me. Very rarely do the kids come into mum and dad's property and say, we'll send six months fixing it up. It's normally, let's just get rid of it. We're, we're, we're over all this. It's probably been yeah. a long drawn out affair anyway with mum and dad dying yeah and they just want to move on yeah yeah or they want to knock it over and do something with it or you know whatever so yes now what if the all parties agree to rent the property out so say it was a principal place of residence for the parents and now let's just rent it out and make some money on it 
Yeah, so then it becomes um, if it's a pre or post CGT asset. So let's say you can only keep a property unless it's in a testamentary trust. You normally would have to to transfer that property to the beneficiaries, and they would okay. let's say that's what's happened. They would become the owners of that property, the third or fourth or fourth or fourth. Then they yeah. would have a capital gains tax liability prorated from the time they've taken it over till the time they decide to sell it. So, okay. So if we had a, a cost base of a hundred thousand, and eventually it was sold for a million dollars, but two years of that was rendered out, then they got one fifth or basically yeah, one fifth of a, a yeah. gain to look at. Okay. So yeah, so no one yeah. gets no one gets away with not paying capital gains tax. Yeah. So, so from the sounds of it, the best way to do is sell the investment properties before mum and dad die and then yeah, keep the placement. Yeah, look, each I can't look, as you know, each scenario is different. You just need to sit yeah. down and, and work through it. So, because it could be yeah. a property worth keeping. It's not yeah. like shares where you can buy them back next week. Once you sold that property, it's yeah, you know, it's off the market again. So, yeah, you don't really hear of people going, "Oh, I didn't. That was a mistake. I shouldn't have sold that." You know, I'll pay you an extra two hundred thousand dollars if you give it back to me. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> well, <laughs> often people sell because um, there's not enough there to for one person to keep it and. Often yeah. the, one of the brothers or sisters said, no, I just want my money. I, I've got debt or I, I don't care about mum and dad's house. I just want to move yeah. on. And so it ends up being sold. Yeah. So, which is sad, but that's just reality. It is sad. Yeah. If we were to rent out the property for a short period of time, say yep. 12 to 24 months, so it's in that two-year window, would we still be subject to capital gains? Not if it's sold by the estate. So if it's rented out, okay. yeah. Um, I must admit, I'm not sure what would happen if you took it over. I'd have to check on that. But let's say the estate rendered it out for two years before it sold it. Uh, yeah. As long as it was mum and dad's property, there shouldn't be a problem. So um, don't be a beneficiary. Just yeah. keep it as yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, off we go. Yeah. So it would be after the two-year point where we would transfer the names into those who inherited the property. Would that be fair? If you were to rent it out as the estate? Yeah, so... You know, the date of death is basically a, a taxing point. Um, and then depending on the implications of the estate, uh, that would probably where you'd probably start to, you know, when, once it's transferred to you, that's where you'd probably pick it up. Um, yeah. But, yeah, basically you've got your cost base, which you've got to just take into consideration, and then yeah. eventually somewhere along the line, the period that is rented, depending on, the complicated, you know, how long it's been rendered for and all the rest of it will decide on the capital gains. Yeah. So, Fair yeah, it's just each, each normally it's a, comp, a sit down and do a spreadsheet to work it all out. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, in, and as you said, every single scenario is very oh, different. Yeah. And we yeah. can come up with a million different scenarios for every different person. Yeah, I'm so. sure. Now, say everything's been sold off, everyone's got their little pockets of money. Would you suggest to minimise tax again to, like, put it into your superannuation fund or, you know, pay off the family home? What would you oh, suggest? I actually can't give you that advice. Oh. I can, I can generally say, you know, putting money into super is, a great, you know, a good thing if it's right for you. But that's investment advice and I'm not allowed to 
Okay. Give you specific advice on that. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Especially in public. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Okay. Um, okay. How about this one? We have touched on this a little bit, the family holiday home. Yep. Obviously, people who have the family holiday home, they like to go without mum and dad being there and all that stuff, and they just everyone has their go going there whenever they feel like it. Um, but it's in mum and dad's name. So what's the best tax okay. strategies to yeah, continue? Family homes are what, holiday homes are always interesting because a lot of people think that they're tax-free, but yeah. you can only have one home, and even though it's a family yeah. holiday home, it's not your main home so yeah. capital gains starts from the day you buy it till the day you finish using it so yeah. even though you may not rent it out you just may go there when it's eventually sold there'll be a capital gain so that capital gain goes from mum and dad to the kids and then to their kids and then eventually to somebody that doesn't want it so then it's sold yeah so yeah um that's why there's complications with holiday houses. So Yeah. Um, so and, ideally just keep passing it on through the family and no one will ever have to pay it. Yeah. And and but there always comes a point where someone says in the family, We're not using this and we want to sell it or we want yeah. to be bought out. And that's when they'll yeah. have a capital gains. But on the same token, they've probably made a lot of money out of it. So yeah. But there'll be a lot of inheritance like, for instance, you know, mum and dad had it and there's three yep. siblings. They've all got this, say, nine grandkids and then there's those nine grandkids have... Yeah, especially down the coast. Three or four kids each. All of a sudden we've yep. got 36 grandkids. You know, there's not much left in the pie after that. Yeah, well, there's a lot. Um, normally it doesn't go down that far. I've seen a lot where mum and dad have bought something, say, at Ocean Grove in yeah. the 90s because they've gone into their, you know, um, retirement phase. And then the kids use it. Then they die off and then the kids get it. And that's the second generation normally where they decide to sell it off. Someone wants it, doesn't want it. And even um, if it means they get like, you know, 80, 90 grand each or something like that, it's like, oh, that's a deposit for first home for the grandkids. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, one of the brothers or sisters is struggling a bit and really looks at this Holiday house and says, "Well, we don't go there. Um, yeah. You know, all the other kids do. We just want out." Yeah. So, so they just want their share to be. Yeah, and sometimes there's arguments. Sometimes one of the other brothers or sisters will buy them out, or sometimes everyone goes, "Yeah, I think it's time to sell up." Yeah. So, yeah. Fair enough. If you were to inherit a property, how would you choose to minimise your tax? Yeah, maximise your net worth. Well, depends on what the property is. So if it's a really good property, I'd just keep it. So yeah. the problem is... A-grade yeah. grade property, like a period home yeah. or... Um, you might keep it and just rent it out. The problem is with tax law is you can't actually go and refinance that and negatively gear it because it's, it's a property you've inherited. So you, you can't have finance on it uh, unless it's you're buying out someone else's share. But if you inherit something... You can't go and yeah. refinance and say, I'll put a hundred million, you know, a couple hundred thousand. So, so for instance, if you had a bit of a debt with the old TOB or something like that, you go, beauty, I can pay off that debt because I'll be able to get a mortgage for that little bit of money that I owed the TOB. Yeah, you can't, yeah. So you can't it doesn't sort of work like that. So um, yeah. there's other ways of, you know, minimising tax and it might be um, superannuation 
or yeah. uh, you know, other different things. But yeah, if you inherit a property, I think you've got to also realize that you inherit it someone's tax bill eventually. Yeah. So, and and it comes back to timing. Maybe you sell it off when you retire. You know, when you don't mm-hmm. when you have a low income. Yeah. So but you know, that, that really does help. That that does help though, doesn't it? Yeah. Because capital gains is based on your income. Yeah. But it should tax should never be an investment decision per se. You know, some people missed out on some really good selling opportunities because they've uh, thought they're going to pay too much tax. Yeah. Whereas, you know, they might have peaked the market and that, you know, sometimes that's a good time to sell. Yeah, fair enough. And sometimes it's just not about the money. It's more about the emotional ties. Yep. Some people just don't want to go through the memories of the home and some just want to hold on to them. So Yeah, exactly. And some so often the next generation move in and take over where mum and dad left off. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, thanks so much, Jeff, for coming on to the Real Estate Ride podcast again today. How can listeners get in touch with you if they are looking for tax advice? Uh, They can either contact me directly on 95979966, look at our website or Facebook page. Now, you, you had an amazing story. You told me that some guy from, like, was it Kilmore Way or something like that heard you on the podcast and oh, wanted to be yeah a client. A client um, yes, I think your podcasts are getting very popular. And um, yes, I uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, one of your avid listeners contacted me after listening to mine and several other podcasts, and um, I think he used a couple of people from your yeah. podcast. And he's very happy. He's he's out there oh. with property development. He's bought some land yeah. and he's going to subdivide it. And, um, I'm sure he knows who he is and he's uh, yeah, a very avid listener. That's good. Of what you do. So well done. Awesome. Nice to see that we're touching some people's taking their interest. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people actually I saw a uh, real estate agent the other day like your your post and I thought, Oh, it's a local guy, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're getting around. Get... We're definitely getting around. Thanks again, Jeff. It's always lovely having you on. And next week, we have Luke Piccolo from Woodards in South Yarra to talk to us about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the spring market. With 2021 turning into a year like we have never seen before, it will be great to have some insight into where the market will take us. So don't miss it. Real Estate Right is a real copyright production, hosted and produced by me, Sue Langada. I would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music, and Francis Morello for his voiceover. Real Copyright is a leading real estate copywriting service throughout Melbourne. If you would like your property copywritten by Real Copyright, please book your copy through orders at realcopyright.com.au. If you would like us to help create more valuable real estate information for the people of Melbourne in this podcast, contact sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.